one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Herb Lennon Game Magazine. Instruction from Herb Lennon. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the trap, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you guys for listening in. This is a Trapping Today live stream on YouTube slash podcast episode. So excited to get into it. The podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cots Bros has a full line of trapping supplies, trap snares, baits, lures, books, DVDs, everything you need to get started on the trap line. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line, mark trap locations, get landowner information, Scout using the latest aerial imagery. Everything there, onxmaps.com. You can use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off of your first purchase. And thanks, guys, who are have been using that code. I just actually got a check in the mail the other day from a bunch of folks who have signed up using the promo code TRAP. So you get 20% off, and I get a little cut of it. It's a pretty sweet deal for both of us, and it helps uh, Onyx promote the product. And I think uh, you are really... If you haven't tried it, you're really going to find this useful. I use it all the time. I actually just looked at it today. For uh, I, I got things set up on my line. I'm, I got a bunch of traps set up, and I started deciding, okay, where am I going to set up my Martin line? Uh, because it's year to year for me, and uh, it, it, things change so much in the woods here that I constantly have to be ready to adapt and move around into different areas. Uh, but the beautiful thing about it is I pull up on X and I can pull up all of my previous, uh, trap locations and I can see all these road systems and the landscape and see where everything is at. And then I can say, okay, what if I go over on the edge of here? What if I go in that other road system? What if I go North of here, South of here, wherever, what if I go in a completely different area? Let's look at what the habitat looks like there, how that's different. And, uh, and if it's worth going into, uh, or, like what I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm just going to go back to a bunch of the old places that I set last year. And I'm going to start by, if everything looks the same, I'm going to set traps in the same exact locations, places where I did really well. And uh, when I get done with that, I'm going to go off in a new road system. I'm going to decide where I'm going to go from there. But on xmaps.com, check them out if you haven't already. And if you have, thanks for the support. And finally, we're brought to you by the Trapping Today store, trappingtodaystore.com. 
www.lurestrappingtoday.com and uh, you can check out the uh, the lures, Trapping Today lures there. Uh, I've been selling quite a lot of lure coming into the trapping season. Have a special deal on books. Uh, actually, we had a special deal on lures. We had the Predator Pack, which is um, Long Distance Call, Predator, and Predator Plus. Those three lures that uh, normally retail for $90 for all three are uh, 75 in the Predator Pack. That's free shipping seven for three four ounce bottles of predator lure um, and also we have a three book deal that my three books uh, that i have out are available there on the store and you can get all three books for a significant discount so check those out as well trappingtodaystore.com one other thing i wanted to mention i got if you guys that are watching on the uh on the youtube live you see the trapping today hat here and we've got the uh, uh i get the baseball cap on right now and we have the trapping today beanie I have the Mustella t-shirt and the Trapping Today logo t-shirt and a bunch of that stuff. That stuff is going to be limited edition. So that's that's going to be while supplies last. Uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because I am not planning on restocking the a lot of the merch right away when it runs out of stock. So especially the shirts. Uh, if they're, Right now I have all sizes in stock of the shirts. But if I run out of stock, I'm not going to reorder them. The, the prices are going skyrocketing on everything. I just don't feel like I'm going to be able to sell a lot of shirts if I have to bump up the prices significantly. And it's really a pain in the butt to get, get those in and to, to deal with all the inventory and everything. So uh, I like the idea of just kind of selling what I have right now. And then as we move forward, if we have demand for a particular item, uh, we can go ahead and and uh, and maybe run a line of those uh, one at a time and i have a few cool other ideas for shirts and stuff that i want to do here uh in the future so i'm gonna uh, you know I, I we may do that but if you want to get anything right now as far as merch uh go to trappingtodaystore.com and get it while supplies last because i cannot promise that it's gonna last forever okay i've got all kinds i had a list of things here i've been thinking about i haven't done a podcast in quite a while so it's been several weeks. Did the one with Jason Vance on coyote trapping the last time. I think that that went pretty awesome. I, I really enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I got the YouTube uh, starting to blow up here. A bunch of regular guys so that uh, that always seem to jump in the YouTube live. Uh, thank you guys so much. Seldom fails. What is up, Jack? Houts from Orno. All right, Jack. What's up, Kenneth Contrast from Indiana? Yes, seventy Land Cruiser, Southern Maine. Um, we got Mark Emmert. Hey, uh, the the aging trapper caught my attention. Oh yeah, uh, being sixty. How's it going, Mark? Um, Articat, howdy, howdy, Just Duck. What is going on, Michael Lee Adkins? Good evening, Joe the Man. How's it going, Frank Kelch? What's up, guys? Uh, thank you so much. Good to have you here. It's awesome. Uh, just uh, everybody just jumped in here all at once. So, um, Joe Joe the Man from Southeast Minnesota. So, uh, oh, one of the things I want to see is uh, who all has traps out and how you doing? Um, maybe maybe throw that up in the chat. Um, what do you got going on? Uh, I can tell you a little bit about uh, my plans and, and where I'm at with my trap line. So uh, we can get into that and, and love to, to see what you got going on there. So throw that up in the chat. Um, for me, uh, I am setting up late. So it's November 8 as I record this. And our trapping season actually for, for um, general trapping opens uh, on, it opened October 30th this year. So 
Uh, it's been open for a week and a half now almost. And I have not set, uh, well, I've, I can't say I haven't set a trap, but I haven't, I haven't trapped yet. Uh, and, and that is uh, the longest time that I can remember where I trapped that I, that I didn't set up, you know, after opening day. Usually opening day, I, I'm, I'm out there going after it. And uh, this year I did not uh, for, for a couple of reasons. We have uh, an early fox and coyote season, which I've done uh, from time to time in the past. But I have I, I did not trap early fox and coyote this year, uh, mainly because uh, of uh, all of my other responsibilities that I've got going on here on the farm and with, with work and everything, combined with $4 a gallon gasoline, combined with... Uh, maybe not being able to even sell any coyotes this year as as bad as the market has has been and is going to be so that's the I had decided uh, looking ahead with uh, inflation and the cost of fuel and everything like I see what I have for kind of like a budget uh, that I could spend for trapping for fun and I'm going to spend that budget on Martin and Fisher trapping especially Martin trapping that's my passion I love to do it and so, and it's it, it involves a lot of driving, long distances, going way up into the into the big woods. So uh, I decided to wait for that. So so again, that started October 30th. The issue here is in northern Maine, and Mike can tell me if the same thing has happened in southern Maine. I assume it has. Uh, it's been ungodly hot here. It, it is just, it's it's hard to fathom. I I don't remember ever seeing this. Uh, I am uh, 30 eight going on 39 years old now i've never seen it this hot in in november but uh, some of the an old timer i talked to this weekend said 40 years ago it was this hot that's the last time he remembered it Um, so it's not you know it's not completely unheard of but it's unusual Um, i feel like i got heat stroke working cattle on saturday Uh, we uh we did a bunch of work around the farm we shipped a bunch of cattle this weekend but it was in the 70s. It was in the 70s in, you know, uh, the first week of November. It's just uh, incredible for here. And at night, there are two nights in a row this weekend where the low was in the high 50s, low 60s. I think it was actually two nights in the 60s. I mean, it was almost it was almost too hot to sleep. So it, what my deal was is that when I'm doing this Martin trapping, I'm going in and I'm setting traps, setting conibear traps, um, quick kill traps so the animal's going to be dead uh, and I'm checking every three to five days and so I, I have an animal when I catch if I catch an animal the first night uh, that's potentially going to be sitting there in the trap waiting for me dead for for three to five days and so as as a result um, when it's 70 degrees out I don't want to leave an animal in the trap for three, four days at a time when it's 70 degrees during the day and it's not really cooling off at night. It, it can get 70 during the day and if it gets down to 20 degrees at night, the fur is really well insulated. A couple hours at 70 in the middle of the day, not a big deal. But when it's just sustained warm temperatures, it's just a recipe for wasting fur. And also, I I, I mean, when it's when it's warm like that, a lot of those animals just don't even go into the bait or, or to the traps as readily. So uh, I decided to wait. Um, and as it always does here in northern Maine, the south wind that blows in all that warm air stopped. And it was less than like not even 12 hours. And that shifted to a north-northwest wind. 
and that has been heavy. It was gusting to 45 miles an hour today, uh, sustained at, you know, 20, 25 miles per hour. And it's a cold, cold, cold wind. It cooled things down by 20, 30 degrees. And now it is just going to be bitter, bitter cold. And so this is trapping weather. So I, uh, the last two evenings after work, I've been putting together traps and bait and boxes, our Lynx exclusion devices. And I am, uh, I'm set to, to go tomorrow. I get day off of work tomorrow. I'm going to go set Martin traps. So I got 40, I think 41 boxes in the back of the truck and, uh, going to get a line set out tomorrow. So, um, that's kind of my story and why I, why I got set up late. Let's see, uh, what you guys have going on. Um, so Otter Cat, uh, November 14 opener in Tennessee, Frank Kelch season doesn't start till December 1st, 70 land cruiser. Haven't had a single minute to set any yet. Just duck daughter and I have a bunch out, but no luck so far. All right, just hopefully you have some better luck here with the changing weather. Um, my kids, my two boys were helping me with traps last night and uh, it's kind of funny. We're, we're, uh, we're in the dark. We all three of us have our headlamps on and we're, uh, one of them's getting bait. One of them's, uh, got the RTS trap setter and he's setting the springs on the conibear traps for me. And, and I'm throwing together the boxes and putting bait in and all that, getting them ready, throwing them in the back of the truck. And my oldest son says, dad, why can't we go set a trap right now? He said, I have my raccoon lure and I have some traps here. He, he got, when he was at the uh, Maine Trappers Association convention, he, he won a pack basket with some traps and some lure and stuff. He got all excited. He wanted to go set that. So last night, uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, we, we jumped into the truck and we went down uh, across the road and we set a raccoon trap. We set a 220 or a 160 in a Lynx exclusion device uh, for raccoon and then, uh, the younger brother, of course, uh, wanted to set traps too, so we went a little further down to the water and we set a couple muskrat traps for him. So uh, officially I'm trapping right now, but uh, technically not really. Um, let's keep going here. Um, Super Spencer Conrad, two fisher, five beaver, and otter, nine coons, only 11 boxes out for Fisher Martin. Wow, Spencer, where are you, where are you at, Spencer? You're doing well. Uh, 70, have some time next week. Mark doesn't open in Missouri till November 15, but wait till Thanksgiving so they get primed. Mark, I'm gonna be talking about that tonight, so I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, if we have time, geez, I find myself going on and on. We're almost 15 minutes in here. Uh, Joe, the man, beaver season off to good start. A few rats, few coons, waiting for the ground to freeze for coyotes. Jack pulled three beavers out of the iron so far. One as heavy and unwieldy as a bag of chicken feed. Been showing plenty of interested friends are sets too hopefully catching future trappers that's good that's a good thing to catch um let's see vermont i'm 60 vermont quail i'm 60 and from the 60s today there's been a very big change used to have feet of snow by now ground frozen hard and winter past 20 years it's been a joke for sure spencer oh you're in western maine okay right on hey enigmatic what's up uh Hey, <laughs> you, you caught me, Gary. Are, are you, uh, are, do you have traps out? You, I bet it's, I know it's cold there because I checked the weather in Venati here yesterday in Fort Yukon. I was kind of curious what things were looking like up there. Spencer, tons of fish are up here, had multiple bear sites. Yeah, Spencer, everybody up here where I'm at has been saying fisher. they've been seeing fisher like crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I'm, 
I am going to do some some fisher focused trapping a little bit and that but I in my experience the last few years I the fisher with the lynx exclusion devices if I could set footholds I'd be going after fisher right now but uh, I could set footholds if I could get the vacation time enough vacation time off of work and all that stuff and check them every 24 hours um, but where we're at right now with the rules that I have to live under and my work schedule, uh, I'm with conibears. And because I'm using conibears and I get to use those exclusion devices, uh, I have found that you can get Fisher early. I've caught him first check of the season. But I don't really start to see the Fisher until we get a snow on the ground. Uh, a good cover of snow on the ground and they seem to start moving. And, and what I'll see before that, is uh, I, I think I know they're there. I actually see them running across the road while I'm out there trapping and stuff, but uh, they're not coming to the box. They're coming to the boxes. They're not going into the boxes to get the bait. They're just not all that motivated. And even if you get, sometimes you get a little skiff of snow and you see a bunch of tracks and you get nothing. But as the season progresses, the fisher are more, uh, seem to be more likely to, to go into uh, to those boxes. And so that's kind of what I'm, I've decided to do. I'm going to go up from Martin early. And as I rotate my line and come uh, in from the big woods and finish up there, I'm going to go in the woods uh, further south and lower elevation where, where there's more fisher, hopefully maybe a little bit less snow and closer to home. And then I'm going to set a bunch of boxes there and try to try to get a few more fisher than I usually get. So I, I used to be limited by, uh, you know, if I, I want to catch 25 Martin, if I catch 25 Martin up in the big woods, in the places where I trap where there's more Martin, way more Martin than Fisher, um, I'm limited out and I kind of have to stop trapping so I don't incidentally catch other Martin. Well, this year, my oldest son is trapping with me, and he can catch 25 Martin as well. So he's going to be catching some, and I'm going to be catching some. And so I'm going to be able to kind of catch, I, I hope, catch. we're going to catch more Fisher as a result. Um, all right, Enigmatic, not yet, just got back. South Dakota, Fairbanks, what are you doing, man? All right, so you, so you are bouncing all, around, all over the place. Right on. Levi Lloyd, new to trapping, second year, listening to the entire podcast backlog. Holy smokes. Haven't said any traps. Straight on, Levi. Oh, man, I bet you're excited. Okay, so so I'm setting up late. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about, I got my little notes here. Uh, I I wanted to, uh, I, I, I mentioned... I mentioned the old timers. Um, I don't want to talk about fur prices too much because we're going to do a whole fur price. Uh, I'm going to do a YouTube video on fur prices. I've done um, I've done a pod. I think I did. I do a podcast on them lately. I can't remember, but I did a uh, a post on trappingtoday.com. I did a whole write up on the fur market and what I expect to see for fur prices this season. So we've got that, uh, but I haven't done one on YouTube. I don't want to do that just yet. It's a whole other conversation, but we all know, we, newsflash, fur prices are in the tank. It's going to be hard to sell a lot of fur. Uh, Grenwald Fur and Wool has done some YouTube videos talking about, uh, you know, there's a market for this, there's a market for that, you, you should be trapping this, you should be trapping that. And I, I love what they're doing. I love how they're keeping people excited about trapping, keeping this market going. But you need to 
understand when they say there's a market for this, that doesn't mean they're going to pay a price that's going to cover your expenses um, or, or it is going to be a price that you're going to be able to, to uh, look yourself in the mirror and, and be happy with. So uh, uh, th- there is a market, meaning they can sell it, but they're, they're not paying a whole heck of a lot for fur relative to what we were getting just a few years ago. So um, I, I wouldn't get too excited about trying to sell fur anywhere right now. Um, I would just say that we're, it's going to be hard. The prices are not going to be good, except for maybe in a few limited uh, special situations and, and particular items. But even then, it's not going to be great. Uh, except enigmatic he's he's in an area in interior alaska where they have some really nice fur um that sells uh, no matter doesn't regardless of the market they kind of have their own little market for some of those items but that being said um why are we still trapping with low fur prices and uh, obviously trapper numbers are way down a lot of people have gotten out of it the people who are still in trapping are in it because they just love it, just absolutely passionate about it, love everything about it. And, and we would trap like um, I'm not going to get up at 430 in the morning and take a week off of vacation uh, every year to trap coyotes and, and throw them away or give them away uh, or, or pay to get them tanned. I would do that for Martin. I would do that for Martin because that's just kind of my passion. Other guys will do that for coyotes. Other guys would do that for beaver. Um, we're doing it because we love it. That's why we're still in this. Iowa Trapper, what is up? Good to see you, man. Um, I I, uh, I hope that your season is going well. I'm, I'm sure you are just stacking up the coons. Keep Seth Prince keeping the tradition alive. That's right. Um, and so so why are we doing it? Well, one of the interesting things that, that I've heard some of the old guys say, uh, and uh, people who are my age, maybe th- this is not necessarily the case, but it kind of is in some ways. I'm, I don't try not to get too far ahead of myself here, but um, we we don't know how much time we're going to have to be able to do what we're doing. Um, if you're in a particular state with all kinds of animal rights activists and like California, you know, trapping could be banned and you're done. Um, New Mexico, public land, trapping banned. If you trapped on public land there exclusively, you're done. Um, we don't know how much time you have in that case. Um, I have young kids. Uh, I have boys that are nine and six, and they're not going to be young forever. And there's memories that I'm sharing with them on the trap line that if I wait a few years till fur prices get better, uh, that's gone. I, I can never get that back. And then... Uh, another thing that I've heard from old timers is they don't know, a lot of the older guys don't know how much time they're going to have left. And if you, if you stop trapping, you know, your last year trapping could have, could have been your last. And, and, uh, that's really kind of hit home recently. So, um, I, uh, I have, uh, several people and I, I don't want to use the term disparagingly, but, but they're kind of dropping like flies, um, a, a lot of a lot of trappers, and and really, if you look at it as trappers as a whole, we are really an aging demographic, and a lot of the people are, uh, you know, the average age of the trapper right now. I don't know what the the latest statistics would be, but it's got to be over fifty years old, 
Um, and, and a lot of those, a lot of guys are 60, 60s and 70s. Um, and, and they make up, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our people that are out trapping are in that demographic. And, and those are the, all the guys that are actually putting up big numbers or uh, they're really out there consistently trapping. And guys like me are just kind of trying to balance it between jobs and, and uh, you know, in the evenings and weekends and days off and stuff. So um, those guys don't know how much time they have left. And uh, I, just, a, just a few uh, recent things. I have a, a good friend in this area that traps, a really good trapper. He... Uh, he actually gets on here occasionally on live streams, listens to the podcast. I've had him on the podcast. He had a, a pretty big scare. He had a heart attack. Heart stopped um, this fall. Um, I, I'm not going to say who it is because I don't know if he wants me to talk about it. But um, that oh guy, hey, whoever's uh, if anybody can help me moderate here, I think I made some moderators last time. There's we get some crazy people in the chat. Let's see. Let's remove. I'm not going to add add that as uh, if any. I think uh, Ottercat, you could probably knock these guys back, um, and get rid of them. So thanks. Um, seldom. F- uh, I'm going to get back to the chat in just a minute. I got to finish this little uh, talk. <laughs> so so his heart stopped, and uh, and he's lucky to be with us, and he's back, and he's he's trapping um, a lot slower than before, but he's trapping. But but. If he hadn't had um, access to modern technology, he'd have been dead very instantly. Um, another trapper, uh, I think I can say this because um, it's common knowledge. You guys know Charlie Tucker from Mountain Men. Uh, I had him on the podcast with Billy Thompson uh, several times. Charlie's a great guy. He was on the History Channel TV show Mountain Men. He is... Uh, I don't know if I know anybody alive in Maine that's caught as many Martin as Charlie has. Uh, just an unbelievable trapper. Um, just a few weeks ago, just before trapping season, he had a massive stroke, and I last I heard, he was still in the hospital. I don't I don't know if he's I don't I don't know if he's ever gonna be um, be back with us. Um, very sad. And then uh, just uh, this morning. I heard of another guy, actually uh, another old timer from the area where I grew up, j- the same town I grew up in, and uh, he was a crotchety old guy. wasn't really my favorite guy, but um, uh, he, you know, he was he was a guy. You, you know, he's he's one of us. He's a trapper, and he watched the YouTube videos and everything. Um, and he was getting old and having heart troubles and stuff. And uh, they found him on the trap line. They just uh, last week he was. He died in the woods while he was trapping. So um, that that's three just uh, just here in this in this um, this small area, and uh, there you, you know you just never know when your time is up. And so so for those guys, you know that you can't not trap. I mean I mean you can't just you can't not do it because uh, we we don't know when our last time day is going to be on the line. Okay. Uh, Oh, seldom timed out, but all right. You guys, you guys got the spammers out of the chat. Thank you. I don't know how all that worked, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to the chat here and just see what people have, what, what people are talking about. Um, Spencer says, from what I did in the last few seasons, had a few requests from guys bought tan hides. Yep, yep, that's 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 good. Uh, the tanned hide market 
uh, can be good, but it's it's very easily flooded. It doesn't take much uh, to satisfy that market. Frank, that's true. I love it. I'm also doing it to help my quail population. Yes, animal damage control for sure. Brad Roy, hey, had our first baby boy September. Good tips on getting young kids out on the line as new parents who both love to trap. Um, Brad, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to write that down. Because I don't know tips on getting kids. I don't know that what I'm doing is is uh, the best. And anybody that's listening to this podcast, oh, there's only a few people on the YouTube live, but there's going to be about 2,500 or 3,000 that are going to listen to the podcast later on. And uh, so so for you guys, if you don't mind, give me an email, uh, jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Any feedback, thoughts, advice, uh, uh, just anything in general. But Brad's question about tips on getting kids uh, on the trap line or keeping kids on the trap line when they're young, uh, that would be great to hear. Uh, I have, you know, I've, I've taken my boys, um, I, but I just don't know if what I'm doing is the best way to do it. So um, I could share some ideas. Maybe we could do a future episode on that. Let's see. Uh, Iowa, I'll help. Iowa, I think I can make you uh, there. You're a moderator too. Congratulations. Um, 70 take. Okay. Uh, um, East McLeod, 1960. Hello from Eastern Oregon. Here's my thumbs up. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hit the thumbs up if you haven't already, by the way. Following you for a while. Appreciate your efforts. Thank you, McLeod. Johnny Boy, all this time, just now figured out live chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my friend Josh from Alaska, it took him forever to figure it out. Um, yeah, I, apparently he didn't he didn't uh, didn't know that you just got to look to the right side of the screen there and there's some live chat. Um, enigmatic last couple old guys that trap up here don't trap for money anymore, but once they once did and they still do it just for the love of it. Absolutely. Johnny, what do we? McLeod 62 will not be trapping this year related to diesel cost 550 a gallon, 70 miles and a quad each trip. Jeez. All right. Um, Okay, thank you guys for for the, all the feedback there in the chat. Um, so trapping to trap to trap or not to trap, um, that's kind of my thoughts. Now I wanted to talk. I only have two more things to really talk about, so we're we're moving along now. But uh, I, I get this. Um, I I I get this. I get this constant thing about trap trap when the fur is prime. So I know you guys have all heard this as well, and I have my opinions on it, and I'd love to hear yours. So, um, every, pretty much every fur market report that I have seen since the market turned downward, people have said, don't trap unless the fur is prime. You're, you're, you're doing the whole trapping industry a disservice by trapping early fur, by trapping fur that's not at its highest value. Um, some have even gone so far as to say, uh, you're, you're, it's a waste of a resource by not trapping when the fur is prime. The, the, uh, the common consensus has been that, um, if, if you don't wait till the fur is prime, you are contributing to the for poor fur market. Uh, is that the case? I think that there is potentially there's some there there is there's some um, value to that argument. Okay, 
I don't want to completely dismiss it. But I, what I want to say is that uh, I think we're missing the boat on this, uh, on this whole trap when the fur is prime. Because uh, in my opinion, the, the advice is probably better given in times of high fur prices than it is in times of low fur prices. And uh, it's easy, logical to make the connection in your mind like, okay, when, when the fur prices are low and my $25 coon went to $12 average, then the only way to do better is to wait and trap those coon only during the prime season. So maybe that $12 can go up to 15. Okay. Um, in your head, logically, it seems to make sense. But if you actually think about it a little deep, more deeply and lay it out on paper, I think that there's a lot of holes in that argument. And I think we really need to, to kind of dissect that a little bit. And I did not take notes on this part of it. So I'm going to just kind of, uh, wing it but uh, I I went back and uh, and put together a bunch of prices uh, from fur harvesters auction from periods of time when the fur prices were high and the fur prices were low and I compared just a couple of species on prime pelts compared to low early caught low quality pelts on prime and I thought it might be kind of interesting to, to get into that and think about it a little bit. But before I go into those numbers, I want to talk about reasons outside of the fur market and prices why you wouldn't just want to trap when the fur is prime. Number one, there are situations like I've heard in Wisconsin, there's like a 10-day deer season maybe a week or 10 days, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It's a very short firearm season for deer. And that is the period of time when the raccoons are prime. And if they're caught outside of that season, they're probably not going to bring near as much value. They're not considered prime raccoon. Um, for species like, uh, say, say Martin in Maine, for instance, um, we have a two-month season. Now, other places you have a much wider season. It's not a big deal. We have a two-month season, and if you, unless you have a snowmobile, um, you could probably count on, if you wait until the first prime, say, usually the uh, my experience up here, season starts around the first of November. The first week in November is going to be semi-heavy pelts. Um the second week in November in high elevation, we're pretty much getting prime into the heavy pelts um, with some semis mixed in. And then beyond that, you're pretty good. The problem is you by December 1st, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to be snowed out. And you can't you can't get on your trap line. And so by waiting till the first prime, um, you have uh, cut your season, essentially cut your season from uh a month to two weeks uh, in, in some cases. So you're cutting your trapping season way back. And, and if you think about it, you know, we talked about, well, we trap because we love to do it. We don't want to skip a season. Well, we also, you know, don't necessarily want to trap just a week or two weeks when we can trap the whole season. Uh, the other aspect of it, of course, is uh, if you wait and a bunch of other guys are out trapping, it's hard to sit back and and wait when other people are out trapping and catching that fur. There's kind of that competitive aspect 
not quite as competitive with the low fur prices. It's not as, as big of a deal. Uh, the other reason, another reason I can think of, you throw them, you throw them out here if you think of any others uh, in the chat. But it, another reason why you would trap when the fur is not prime is because there's animal damage problems. Uh, in Maine, for instance, we have uh, special rules where we've got guys trapping beavers that are paid animal damage control agents and they are whacking the beavers all year long but when they get to within a month of the beaver trapping season there's kind of there's a policy there where it's they're supposed to or encouraged to um, reach out to trappers it doesn't always happen but they're supposed to reach out to trappers and um, try to see if anybody wants to trap that particular beaver flowage that's causing damage problems um, when the season opens. So when you're within a couple weeks of the season, uh, you know, get those guys, the trap, let the trappers have an opportunity at those furs. Um, so for a lot of trappers, for beaver trapper, you got to hit. Um, and even then you hit an open opening day and we have early season for beaver here. You hit that opening day of the season and there's a 50-50 chance if you're on a road, the ADC guy has already got him or he's coming. He's coming. Um, so so you got to rush or you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to trap those animals at all. So I think there's probably a few other reasons. I'm going to read a little chat here. Um, Levi says nine day in Wisconsin. Yep, nine day season. Johnny Boy, new to trapping, started two years ago. Love it. Uh, good deal. Iowa, everybody says, wait till Thanksgiving. My 3X coon ate just fine right out of the gate. If I wait, my catch will drop 70%. Yes, Iowa. So that was the thing that I uh, I wanted to mention. I don't I didn't get across just yet. I forgot about it. Uh, not only can your season be cut off, but your effectiveness can be cut off. And coon is, is a big one there because with raccoon, when the weather freezes, when things freeze up, they tend to stop moving quite a bit. And, and they'll wait till... Um, a warm-up and then they'll get active again so it, it, in uh, for instance our our fox and coyote season early in uh, northern Maine it starts two weeks before general trapping season uh, the main reason for that foxes and coyotes especially coyotes do tend to prime up earlier than the other fur so they are actually semi-decent uh, in mid-october but uh, really that's your only effective time when you can you know you're going to be able to trap them because you're not going to be dealing with this freezing weather now this year it's been an anomaly you could trap the whole month of october it's been great but i've seen years where if you don't get the those last two weeks in september by early october you got freeze thaw freeze thaw rain snow wind freezing and it's just an absolute mess and uh, you can still trap and you can still catch fur but you're uh, your efficiency goes way, way, way down. Um, and a lot of guys get discouraged and the catch goes way down as well. Uh, Mark Amber, uh, our cat says, uh, most of the stuff here prime at the end of November. Cats won't be prime till January. Uh, Mark says, I can't, I wait because I have the flexibility and I'm the only one trapping in my area. Absolutely, Mark, that's a good point. And you wait for a rifle season to be over. Frank here in Oklahoma, coyote, raccoon, beaver are year-round, but the trapping license is valid December 1st to February 28. Yeah, so um, in uh, Mark, you may have mentioned where you are. I don't remember, but but I know like uh, in Canada with registered trap lines, that's uh, that's a little different. 
in Alaska and Canada, northern climates where you you have long seasons and you're mostly trapping over the snow, not a big deal because uh, you can trap just as effectively. I mean, enigmatic, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong here because you, you are going to get the 50 degree below zero cold snaps, but that can, you know, that can happen December, January, February. Um, but, but really, um, you can just as effectively catch fur on the snow in December as you can in February. Uh, Mark's in Missouri. Okay, thanks. All right, so so those are all the reasons why, uh, outside of fur prices, why I'm, I'm making the argument that only trap when the fur is prime is is not necessarily the best uh, the best bet. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the price argument because this is this has always confused me when I see all these fur price fur market reports and these forecasts about you know you can you guys you trappers are doing yourself a disservice because you're not trapping when the fur is the most prime and don't bother sending any of this and whatever. Um, I get it, but let's let's think about it from a uh, a financial perspective. Let's get into the numbers here. Let's just for instance, um, just just to just to make a <laughs> just to uh, uh, re- sorry guys on the podcast. I'm reading the chat, getting a little distracted here. Um, okay, so what I did is I went back at the fur har- looked at the fur harvesters reports, uh, fur prices. And I just looked at Beaver and Martin, um, and not all of this is directly comparable because if you know, if you have looked at auction results in the past, it seems like every single auction report has a different way of categorizing and lumping uh, groups of fur and classes of fur. So I tried to be as consistent as I could, but really to do this, you could do this, but you'd have to, you could do this really professionally have a statistically valid uh, comparison, but you'd have to go through the actual auction catalogs from all those years and look at the species and look at all the different grades. Assume the grades were the same, which I think they they are a little bit fluid. The grades change, and we know that some grades uh, some grades change by design. Some maybe a little bit of bias, but a lot of it is by design, where they'll lump in three X and two X together if they don't have enough to make one good lot um they'll they'll put semi-heavy and heavy together in some cases for certain species and all that can change from year to year depending on demand but let's just try to do a broad comparison and i'll try to make my point here so 2011 2012 2013 a little bit into 14 and 15 um we pretty much this peaked around 12 and 13 and uh, as i remember it and it was kind of what I would call like the mini fur boom. Uh, we for for younger people, people in their 20s and 30s, 30s and 40s, this is the only fur boom that we've ever experienced. So we never saw the late 70s, early 80s. Um, we never we never saw the you know all the all the high fur prices um, that that the old timers experienced. But this was a little period of time. China was getting going good. Uh, Russia was doing well. The oil prices were high. Um, we'd come out of the housing crash. The U.S. dollar was was much lower. Um, everything was in place for fur prices to go up, and they went up, and we did we did extremely well. So um, I I want to show you like just let's let's think 
of scenario here where we trapped early and we trapped late. And uh, pretend I'm in Maine, so I'm going to use that as an example, but you pretend we're add your species wherever you happen to be. So 2011, I looked at the March auction. Uh, you could look at any, any of the auctions. They had a lot more auctions back then um, throughout the year, but I looked at beaver. And I looked at first section beaver and third section beaver. So first section is going to be your prime pelts, your um, your better collections with no damage from areas in the country where your your beavers are going to average the best. And it's your top quality beaver pelts. Third section is going to be your southern beaver pelts, your northern pelts that have damage, or your northern pelts that um, are caught in September, October, and they're early and they're not they're not prime. Okay, so if you caught a beaver in 2011, um, you you got the average for first section, you get $21. Um, that same year, that same auction, the third section beaver cost $6. So $21 compared to $6, um, what's that? We made uh, 16. Uh, $15, that's pretty, should be simple math, um, $15 by waiting. If we, instead of trapping, say, October 15, we waited till December, we chopped ice, we get that beaver when it was prime, we made $15. Um, let's take that beaver and we go to March of 2012 when we had a really nice boom. Um, that third section beaver went from $6, it went up 50%, it averaged $9. So we had $9 for that third section beaver in 2012. But what if you waited in that beaver, you waited and you caught that beaver instead of in early, mid-October, you caught that in January and you chipped a bunch of ice and you worked hard and you caught that pelt right in the perfect time of year. Those first section beavers in March 2012 averaged $44. So you just made $35 by waiting. That was a really good decision, right? By waiting and trapping when the fur was prime that was the decision to make now back then nobody none of the fur market reporters were telling you to do that remember that okay uh 2013 your third section beaver really came up that that uh, i don't remember what that was probably the hatter market was doing well there's a lot of demand uh they sold out a lot of the the better beaver um that was 17 dollars your eastern beaver not necessarily first section they were all grouped as easterns but they were averaged 30. So the first section were probably in the 40s again. Again, you made good money. Um, you made good money by waiting and trapping later. Let's go to Martin. Um, and, and I'm going to just take, uh, try to take Martin. Uh, we're going to look at those same years, those fur boom years. And I'm trying to try to look at when, um, you know, comparisons between early and late. So 2011, Martin. Um, the Eastern Martin, which is what I would I catch, um, what they they didn't group semis and heavies and semi heavies uh, apart in this auction for some reason, um, but but I just looked at third section. They had third section on Martin and they had Easterns. Uh, Eastern Martin were fifty dollars. Third section were thirty one, and so assuming that that your Eastern Martin. Uh, that you caught that was prime, average uh, that $50. Um, you caught that Martin early, you get 31. You're making $19 uh, by waiting a couple of weeks for that Martin pelt to prime up, essentially. 
Um, in 2012, March 2012, this was a huge boom in Martin pelts. It was just awesome, awesome, awesome time to be a Martin trapper. Uh, Alaska Martin averaged $132. The Northeast Martin averaged $82. Now, uh, those were all lumped together, so I can't tell you if, what the advantage would have been um, from trapping early versus late, but it just shows you, um, you know, you still, even in a good fur market, you had um, $50 difference between those Alaska Martin and the Northeast Martin. Let's look at um, 2015. This was good because we had first section Martin heavy and semi-heavy. And uh, in 2015 March, uh, first section Martin, that probably be your Alaska Martin, your good Canadian Martin, uh, like Western Canada, Northern Canada. Uh, those heavy pelts averaged $76. The semi-heavy pelts averaged 58 So you got $18 by waiting a couple weeks for your Martin to prime up in 2015. So um, I didn't write all those down, but those, if you can kind of think about that a little bit, there was a lot of financial incentive to wait and trap when the fur was prime during the fur boom. The exact time when nobody would think that that would be the thing to do. The exact time when your incentive is actually to go out and trap whatever you can because prices are so good, right? Now let's look in the modern era. Uh, this, is, this is a time when... Fur prices are extremely low. Uh, sometimes you have a few good prices on a few items. But uh, in general, uh, we're in a tough market. And everybody's telling you, wait till the fur is primed to trap. Okay, does it pay off? March of 2020, beaver. Our first, our third section beaver in March of 2020 averaged $9. Sound, sound familiar? Pretty much a hatter price. Your first section, Martin, the be or beaver, the top quality beaver, instead of $9, Remember in uh, 2012, we went from $9 to $44 by waiting. In 2020, your $9 beaver turns to $18 by waiting. And so you waited a couple months, you chipped a bunch of ice, you risked not being able to get to those beaver, you risked some other trapper getting them, you did that all for $9. Not even what you get for the caster on a large beaver. Okay, that's 2020. Um, I didn't have any Martin for that. 2021, beaver. In 2021, there was so little difference between the high-quality beaver and the low-quality beaver. When they computed the average, they just lumped them all together, and they had a $14 average on everything. So no doubt you did better by waiting, but if, if you did better, it was only by a few bucks. Uh, 2019, your third section beaver averaged $8.00. By waiting until that beaver was fully prime and beautiful and first section and you didn't screw up by putting a hole in it. Because remember, if you wait two months and then you put a hole in it, that's going into third section most likely. And you're going to lose all that value that you tried to gain. That that first section beaver was $15, so you got $7 for waiting. Um, and finally, Martin. Uh, in 2021 April auction, the 1X Heavy Martin... These are the Alaskan, prime Alaskan Martin, got $49. The 1X, and that was a third of what they were getting back in 2012. The 1X semi-heavy, $46. So by waiting for those Martin to prime up, you gain three bucks. In the same auction, April 2021, the large Martin, like the Martin, the large semis, a lot of what I catch here in Maine was $34. The large heavies were $35. You gained a dollar. 
2019 March auction, large semi-heavy Martin were 29, large heavy Martin were 34, you got five bucks. And so it was really, looking at this was a real eye-opener for me, uh, where when you're in a low fur market, the whole wait until the fur is prime, it just doesn't matter, guys. It doesn't matter. Um, the prices are so low that the spread um, the spread isn't going to make a difference. We trap because we love to trap. We trap because it, it's an experience. It's beautiful. We don't know how much time we're going to have to do it. We trap for animal damage control. We trap to spend time outdoors, spend time with our kids. We get a little bit of money for the fur. Uh, we produce things with the fur on our own in a lot of cases. We eat the meat in some of the, with some of the species. Uh, there are so many different values of trapping. And yes, we get a financial benefit by selling the pelts uh, if we can in certain particular cases. But to be honest, in a low fur market, someone tells you don't trap till the fur is prime, don't buy it. All right. And finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which I don't really need to talk about, I guess, anymore, is, is uh, I was going to get into some flexibility. So I'm getting ready to go in my trap line uh, tomorrow and set up traps. And one of the things that struck me a little bit when I was thinking about where I was going to go, getting on Onyx and pulling up all my old set locations, was, you know what? I could get there tomorrow and there could, because I'm almost 10 days into the season. I'm 10 days into the season. I am. I could get there tomorrow and there could be someone already set up on my road. I have no tra registered trap line here. Um, this is publicly accessible land. So I have I have no protection over this. This is open country, and 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 I don't, you know, I try to respect where other people trap too. But I, but I go places where I don't. Other people probably have trapped or do trap, and I don't know about it. I try to avoid them if I can, but we don't have a communication system where everybody knows everybody is. So there could be, uh, there could be one road system with three four trappers on it. And there could be a road system next, you know, a few miles away that nobody's on. And we don't even, we, we don't realize that until after we've all set up. So um, just the idea of being flexible, maintaining flexibility. Um, and, and I'm trying to drill that into my head is to make sure when you go out there and you have a plan to be able to change that plan as soon as something, the facts on the ground change, things change and uh, try to be adaptable and have a good attitude and, and just kind of roll with it and, and be able to pivot quickly. And okay, someone set up here. This was my spot. No big deal. Boom, I'm going to go this direction. So um, just something to think about uh, when you're trapping. I'm going to read a few of these YouTube comments and I'm going to get out uh, and go get finished up packing up for trapping tomorrow. Uh, thanks again, guys, for all of you showing up. It's pretty awesome to, to see you, uh, see you all here. Um, let me see. Uh, Enigmatic with chin. Oh, yeah, check traps at 60 below last winter. You gotta be careful when it's 60 below. Uh, Vermont quail. Uh, yep. Um, numbers make up for guard hairs. Yeah, that's right, Michael Lee Atkins. Levi Loy, Wisconsin just legalized cable restraints for full season for canines and bobcats. That's good. Cool. Um, Spencer, Gramp was telling me not too long ago. He would get $250 for a female fisher. Yes. And he had people steal fur because of the prices. I found that interesting. For sure, for sure, for sure. I heard that too. People caught two fisher, bought a new snowmobile. I, I've heard that several times. Hey, PA trapping outdoors. Enigmatic. Guys, my dad's age remembers $600 plus for lynx. More for silver, black, blue, cross fox. Oh, my God. Uh, go back if you guys haven't. 
um, listen to the Fred Thomas interview on Alaska Trappers Association Oral History Project. I think it's like two bucks. You can download that interview. He, I mean, they caught three, four hundred links, maybe three hundred links in a season. Uh, just incredible stuff, and they were getting six, seven hundred dollars for them. Can you imagine that, guys? And that was back, that was back with inflation. You know, that was probably four or five times what that those dollars are worth uh, today. Uh, PA tw- twenty-two uh, uh, today, Otters. Seldom fails. Trappers seem to forget that they are only the supplier for, not the consumer of it. The value comes from what they want. Give a crap less of what the trapper wants. That's right. Seldom. Uh, one of the interesting, yeah, that that's. I've always thought about that a lot. Um, is is this fur market uh, demand driven or supply driven? Uh, and the reason what what got me thinking about that a while back was. Um, Parker Dozier, he's been long since passed away, but he was the guy that wrote the fur market report for Trapper and Predator Collar magazine for a long, long time. And he was in the fur business forever. He knew all the people, all, all the ins and outs of the market, really knowledgeable guy. And, and he used to argue, cause a lot of guys say, well, you know, the fur prices are low. We need to stop trapping and hold back, hold, hold back on them and, and, uh, make them pay up. And, and he would always caution people to be careful of that mentality because if you stop producing a product, the consumer's fur is not something that people are going to starve if they go without. And the consumer is going to find another product or a replacement or a substitute or something else. And you really, by, by holding back on production, you really risk um, losing your market. And, uh, and so, so I, I think for a long, I've always felt, I think it's pretty obvious. Fur is demand driven. The fur, the fur economy is demand driven. Um, the factors that influence demand, uh, for fur are way, way more important to prices than the factors that influence supply. Okay. Um, and and because demand is, Demand drives this this whole market. It really does, and, and we've noticed that. You know, uh, the only thing that really I can see that has been affected greatly by supply has been uh, beaver caster. And that's not a fur market. That you know that castorium market is completely different uh, because that's an item that's needed. Uh, people have established uses for it that uh, they can't really substitute much for. And so they've got to have it. And when supply goes down, d- demand stays the same and the prices go up. But with fur prices, when the catch goes down, we really don't see a big change in the price. We, we can see some change, but you look at the, the some of the biggest moves in fur prices over the last decade. And one of the ones that comes to mind is the coyote market. What drove the that increase in the coyote market? It was Canada Goose. It was the fashion trend. It was demand exploded with that fashion trend, and everybody wanted those uh, fur-lined parkas. The coyote prices went sky high. Um, guess what happened? That the harvest went up and down. Fur prices stayed pretty good, but as soon as that fashion trend went away and Canada Goose stopped producing that product, done, done. Coyote market's done uh, until something else comes up. Sell the fails. If a furrier doesn't want to make garments. 
from under or over Prime. That's his business choice. He doesn't have to buy it either. If he wants Prime stuff, he'll pay for it. Yep. Mark, are the price differences so low because they're grinding them all up? Yes, Mark, for Beaver, that is uh, that is a big um, thing, Mark. That is a big reason for the differences in prices um, because there are two different markets that that goes to, and the, the Hatter market is not as, as picky, not nearly as picky as um, – as the you know the rest of the fur market for beaver but there's a lot of other f factors there um and and the hatter market almost almost kind of um it, it puts a floor it puts a floor on the beaver price and so it kind of helps as the the high price beaver kind of go up and down as they go down the difference in value shrinks because of that floor that stays stays the same um 70 land got it start pushing the sustainability first as opposed to synthetic coats and gloves made with plastic yeah we gotta get you know what we gotta do is uh so joe rogan's gonna get a trapper on uh to talk about that <laughs> seldom fails uh michigan fall rats historically been 25 percent less than prime winter apps why because the furries pay more for the better fur jason house spot on um what's up jason frank can't wait to see what i can catch after all scouting waiting for the season opener Spencer, have a good season. Hey, thanks, Spencer. You too. Um, PA, see ya. Hey, Vince, what's up, man? What is up? <laughs> good to see you. We have to talk, Vince. We, I, I dropped the ball. Um, I was supposed to call you. We got to talk. We got to do something here uh, sometime, maybe in the next week or so, if, if you're available. PA, uh, seldom. Nobody knows the future of a furrier's desire or ability to sell a garment. Kenneth Cotras, I worked for fur buyer for years, and you have three to four thousand coon to sell to big buyer. We'll go a nose count. Don't matter. Yeah, there's a lot of that for sure. PA, anything on caster prices? PA, I heard they're getting a little weaker, but they're not gonna crash or anything. Sixty, seventy a pound, maybe. Um, that's kind of what I heard, but that, that could change. Um, Frank Caster is using everything perfumes to chocolate. Right, exactly. Things that. When, if someone has a brand of perfume that is using castor, uh, that you can't just go and substitute that ingredient. You know, it changes. It completely changes your brand. You can't just drop it. So when the castor gets harder to find, you got to pay up. Uh, Seventy, yeah, thanks, Seventy. Um, PA, see ya. All right, enigmatic. Yes, I'm excited to see your stuff uh, uh, filming and. Uh, I'm going to start filming tomorrow. I hope I hope to see your videos coming up too. Appreciate it. Guys, um, awesome to, to catch up with all of you, and thanks for tuning in. I hope you all have an awesome trapping season. Uh, get out there and trap, and until uh, next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.